think about where your life was one year ago. May the 3rd, 2020. It's not a pretty picture, is it? We rarely left our homes. Many businesses were closed. Schools were closed. Kids were home. All the time. <laughs> a program called Zoom became our connection to the world. Sunday mornings were simply weird. For the first time in my life, Easter had come and gone with no church service. I just couldn't get over it. I remember walking our dog, Blue, on those spring mornings. The bushes and the flowers were in full bloom. And it was a beautiful sight. And I remember the air being crisp and clear and it smelled of the aroma of resurrecting life all around me. Yet, I was suspicious of the air. Due to the bizarre COVID circumstances that we were enduring, I could imagine an unseen enemy entering my nostrils without any warning at all. An enemy that could kill without mercy. An enemy at the time that was very dangerous as far as my age group was concerned. An enemy we had little or no medical treatment against. An enemy passed through the air from person to person. Social distancing was one of the few weapons we had against this particular virus. That was a term only known by medical professionals before February 2020. But social distancing became one of the most used terms in all media outlets. It dominated conversations all over our country. It disrupted human life on all levels. And along with social distancing, mask wearing became the norm for everyone. And a new exercise pattern emerged. It usually took two trips to enter a business that was actually open. One trip gets you to the door of the business only to realize that you forgot your mask. The other trip to trek back to your vehicle and get your mask and then return and go through the doors and enter the business. So it was kind of like, you know, an exercise routine. Now, human beings are by nature social animals. They need to interact with others. And that need is as basic as the need for oxygen and food. Going without oxygen for just a few seconds 
puts our body in emergency mode and we will fight for air. Going without food for just a few days will induce a craving for nourishment in our body that we will do anything to satisfy. And we were learning that going without typical human interaction for weeks on end was creating a need in people that many didn't know they had. The longer we were told to keep away from others, the greater the urge was to seek one another out. I mean, hugging could, one another could be as lethal as shooting one another. Now, we know that life is full of crises, and we have endured them before. But this crisis seemed to have no end in sight. Conspiracy theories abounded as to who was to blame for this nightmare. Countries accused other countries. International tensions were on the rise. Maybe war would end us all before the virus had time to do so. The origin of the virus was a subject of hot debate as far as experts were concerned. And I say experts. People you know, that were supposed to be experts on one channel contradicted people who were supposed to be experts on the other channel. Experts made predictions of when normality would return. Now remember how we used to hang on that? You know, when are we going to get back to normal again? You know, the, trouble, the trouble was, you know, we heard in news conferences that, okay, this is when we think things are going to return to normal. Only to abandon that estimate and extend the return to normal for another three or four months down the road. It was like a, an eternal game of kick the can. Were we doomed to live a life apart from one another? Was human life to end by way of an electron microscopically small aggregation of protein and RNA? All this uncertainty began to have an effect on human hope. Hope is what gets humans through the tough times. Hope says that things will get better. We just have to hang in there long enough for better times to return. Now, granted, we want there to be a little bitty short time between the bad times and better times. But extensions of the bad time crushes hope. Uncertainty crushes hope even more. Claims that this treatment works or that treatment works were met with ever-increasing numbers of sick and dying people. News media outlets gave everyone a daily tally of new cases found. The number of hospitalized patients 
and the number of deaths that were resulting from COVID infections. And they're still doing it up to this point right now. I told somebody, I don't remember casualty counts like that since the Vietnam War. When the news, every evening news broadcast used to do that. Well, they're back at it again with COVID. For the faithful, many wondered where Jesus was in all of this. Were humans being punished because so many had strayed so far away from God or ignored God altogether? But the virus wasn't selecting godless people only. The faithful were dying right along with the faithless. Was this the end times predicted in the book of Revelation? Terrible events like this globally or in our lives specifically just go to prove that Satan is still alive and active on this earth. People don't realize it, but Satan is the second most powerful force there is. Second only to the Godhead. Satan's goal is to separate us from Jesus. So in that turn, the pandemic is a win-win for Satan. People were being forced to stay away from church and their church friends. And this will naturally feed into Satan's plan. To be away from Jesus is to be closer to Satan. Now, you may not consciously make that choice, but it's one or the other. People are creatures of habit. It takes lots of repetition to build a habit. But unfortunately, it's a whole lot easier to break a habit than it is to build a habit. The longer we're kept from church, the easier it is to stay away from church, which furthers Satan's plans to separate us from Jesus. Satan needs just enough time to get us out of the Jesus habit that we may have spent decades cultivating. And we will, if we stay away from Jesus long enough, we will lose our connection to Jesus all on our own. And once we lose that connection, we begin to build excuses as to why we no longer practice that habit as we once had. Now, a problem humans have always had is compartmentalizing Jesus to the church building. We go to church to sing about, to hear about, to think about Jesus. But outside of this, Jesus becomes less of a reality in people's lives than it does while they're here. 
Now, what we need to remember is that Jesus is with us always. Not just while we're in the church building. Jesus is an integral part of our lives. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're thinking. He desperately wants to be an active part of our lives, helping us have a better life on earth. And in addition to our life on earth, Jesus also wants us to have a wonderful future. And this is where hope lives for the human and for the Christian. The New Testament book of Hebrews describes a great link between faith and hope. Now, Hebrews is a weird book. You know, because, oddly enough, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, scholars pretty generally agree that the author is someone who knew the Apostle Paul very well, or at least knew his teachings very well. But most scholars don't believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. As a matter of fact, one scholar put it, only God knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. You know, but that doesn't mean it's no good. We just don't know who wrote it. The first ten and a half chapters of Hebrews, the author, whoever that is, the author explains repeatedly that Jesus is superior to the angels, to Moses, and to the Old Testament priesthood. He teaches, the author teaches that the new covenant was superior to the old covenant because Jesus was the perfect, permanent sacrifice rather than all those Old Testament sacrifices that had to be repeated over and over and over again. The author emphasizes the power and authority of the Word of God. Now, the last half of chapter 10 through chapter 13, which is the end of the last chapter in the book, the author explains the importance of faith for the Christian. Chapter 11, which is sometimes known as the Faith Hall of Fame, gives accounts of Old Testament heroes as far as faith in God is concerned. And the author concludes by saying that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, the first verse, forges the link between faith and hope. Now, here is that verse. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And if that's a little different from what, what you remember, this is from the NIV. Now, in secular life or in religious life, faith requires hope. 
Hope involves things that we just can't perceive or things that are yet to happen. Everyone has faith in something. Even atheists have faith. They have faith that that piece of paper that their paycheck is on will let them buy things. They have faith that their employer will continue to let them work. They have faith in the physical laws of nature. They have faith in their health and their ability to maintain that health. Their faith, though, is based in the hope that what they believe is going to happen will happen. And they are in control. Their faith is bolstered if what they think is going to happen actually does. And the more often they're right, the more often, the, the stronger that faith in themselves is going to be. But this is simply a faith based in things that they think are in control, but are based on things that are completely out of their control. For example, in December of 1928, people had faith that their money in the bank was safe. On October the 24th, 1929, the financial world in this country collapsed and ushered in the Great Depression. In December 2019, thousands upon thousands of employees had faith in the safety of their jobs. Enter COVID. That led to rampant unemployment, runs on savings accounts, and ruins in people's lives. Hurricanes and tornadoes, they obey the physical laws of nature. But bring about property damage and stress and strain on people's lives. Seemingly perfectly healthy people drop dead every day or are involved in some kind of fatal event. You see, Christians have faith in Jesus Christ. God's Son, born of a woman, lived a life on earth, did things that no one else could do, cared for all people, was proclaimed as God's Son by none other than God Himself. He preached the gospel of faith involving everyone being able to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Not just now, but forever. He was crucified to death. An act engineered by the religious elite of the time who considered him a threat to their position. But he was raised 
from death to live again by His Father, God, and still lives today. Jesus is the ultimate source of hope. No, we can't physically see Him right now, but the evidence of Him is all around us. It's in a beautiful sunrise or sunset. It's in the rejuvenation of life in the spring. It's in the fact that He loves us all and wants only the best for each and every one of us. It's in the fact that He's preparing a place for us in heaven when our days on earth are done. Don't ever let that hope in Jesus fade. Feed your soul on Jesus. You see, the power to have faith in Jesus resides in us. It doesn't depend on anyone else. Retain your faith that Jesus is in control and is more powerful than Satan can ever be. Now granted, Satan can make our lives temporarily miserable. But Jesus has already defeated Satan. That's already happened. That gives us hope. All Satan can do is monkey around with our lives, try to dash hope in an attempt to make us lose faith and get farther and farther from Jesus. But Jesus gives us hope. Gathering together in Jesus' name will help us better handle Satan's attacks. We are better together than we are separate. So, here's my next step. Hold on to hope. In all things, look to Jesus for help. And have faith that Jesus knows what's best for us. And I have a job for you. I want you to write on a sticky note or something the following. I have hope in the future because Jesus is alive and loves me. Put that on a note where you can see it. Have faith in something real. And have faith in someone who actually cares about each one of Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Jesus. Thank You for the fact that Jesus has defeated Satan. 
But the fact that Jesus loves us, and it's not just here on earth, Jesus is anticipating us coming to heaven. And he's working to prepare a place for, for us when we get there. Help us, Father, to realize that what happens on this planet on this day is temporary. You have already won, and, we, and you want us to share in that victory. Father, keep us, or help us, retain our hope. Our hope that better things will occur. Now, we may not know what those better things are, but we certainly will recognize them when they occur. Help us maintain our faith in these uncertain times. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.